Hello, and welcome to a roundtable discussion on the Topic of Page podcast. My name is John Mayer. In this episode, I'm joined by guests for a lively conversation on a topic we hope you'll find interesting. It is technically Sunday. Now, lest anyone think we're, we're slacking on the job, we just got back to the hotel. It is about 10 or 11 minutes into Sunday, so it's past midnight. We had a very long day. Fun day, but long day. Saturday um, goes down as an epic Comic-Con day. It lasted into Sunday. Well, and it was a... Again, late night, the night before, early morning, the usual go-round. But I like recording these things at the end of the day, just so I don't forget it by the time I wake up the next morning. Uh, This was another one where it was a get up, get down to breakfast, get over to the convention center. From there, though, uh, once we parked the car, we did not head to the convention center. We didn't even head to the library. We headed over to the Omni to one of the things that I really enjoy doing, and that is... um, we're on the press list, so we get a lot of invites to press rooms and stuff like that. And frankly, I don't take advantage of a lot of them. One that I do take advantage of is the Saban uh, group. They do Power Rangers. And we could do interviews. They're very gracious and very uh, 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 open with the actors and stuff like that. Uh, but I just like to, to see what merchandising they're doing, see what their plans are, see what's going on with the property, and listen in on a couple of other people's interviews. Because mm-hmm. I'm probably not going to ask them anything they're not getting asked a thousand times during the course of the convention. How did you get into Power Rangers? Why do you do it? Do you like it? You know, the the usual stuff. Did you watch Power Rangers growing up? Exactly. And really what I want to get out of it is just a sense of are they enjoying the experience, which they totally seem to be. How, do, how are they as people? Mm-hmm. And for me, what I got out of it this time is... This is the Dino Charge group. Now, they're going to go into Dino Supercharge, which, just as a quick aside, always trips me up a little because normally what they've been doing since Saban took over the group is they did, uh, they originated Power Rangers, of course, then it went to Disney, et cetera, et cetera. Anyways, they did Power Rangers Samurai, then Power Rangers Super Samurai, then Power Rangers Megaforce, then Power Rangers Super Megaforce. Now they're doing Power Rangers Dino Charge. You would think what they would do next is Power Rangers Super Dino Charge, but no, no, it's Dino Supercharge, which makes as much sense as anything else. Breaks the pattern just a little bit. Um, but I thought the show had taken a real step up this year and had mentioned it to them. And then, oh, yeah, we got Chip Lynn back as, as one of the guys doing the writing, executive producing, I think, uh, who had done some of the really great seasons prior to Saban selling it to uh, to Disney for a while. So him coming back um, really infuses the show with an energy it needs and a depth it needs. And the actors are even talking about how they are not shallow Power Rangers. Their characters have arcs. Yeah. And they, they you know, my arc is this, his arc is that, and the other one's arc is that sort of comments. Well, and they were all very aware, not just of their own character's arc, but they were sitting there very clearly pointing out, oh, and you gotta see when his character has this great stuff going on. And I love how they're not just focused on their own character. It's very much a matter of these 
I'm going to call them kids because from, from my perspective, they're about well under half my age probably. Uh, but, I mean, they're young adults. Yeah. Okay. And they are professional actors. They are professional athletes in many cases. One of them had done circus work, stunt work. That, two of them, I think, had done stunt work. Uh, um, the Blue Ranger said he did the stunt work. Yes. He'd been doing the suit work and then tried out for the acting side of it. Yeah, and the Red Ranger was apparently on American Ninja. And he was the one who uh, had the circus background. Yeah. And it shows when they do the out-of-suit martial arts and acrobatics and stuff like that, that they cast people who could physically do the roles. Mm -hmm. But they also cast the right type of people. Mm -hmm. These all had a very much sense of team, of unity, of helping each other out, and ribbing each other. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, the Pink Ranger definitely got a lot of, of ribbing from her castmates. Apparently, a little clumsy, and apparently where they do the, the shooting out in uh, New Zealand, um, there are some really uh, bumpy fields or whatever. They were talking about filming in some lush countryside, um, some cow pastures that were lumpy, bumpy, and had things cows leave behind to trip you up in addition to the lumps and bumps of Mother Nature. And tall grass to cover all that up. Yes, and they were saying that, you know, it's one thing when you can't run through this field gracefully, but when you need your stunt double to walk through something for you, well, you earn a reputation. And she took it. In good spirits and stuff she like did. that. And she was a little annoyed with them for mentioning it, but but was was good. But she did come back at them with the fact that on one day when they were all supposed to run through one of those fields, even the guys were saying, can't we walk with conviction? Mm-hmm. She wasn't the only one. And she's like, see, it's not just me. She was having the most problems, but not the only one having problems. Yes, yes. It was funny because at one point, one of the, uh, the the people doing the interview, and they were doing video stuff, and again, we were off on the sides just watching, uh, was saying, you know, uh, was it along the, who would win in the fight? Yeah. And, and before they finished the question, like, the, the blue Power Ranger and some of the others are all pointing to the red ones. Like, he'd, mm-hmm. he'd win, thinking, anticipating the question was, out of all of you, who would fight? Who would mm-hmm. win the fight? And it's, no, no, Godzilla versus your mech. Oh, well, in that case, you know, kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Well, and it's funny because for a while they were still pointing at the Red Ranger while they were thinking. And, and he's sitting there like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. But and- then the, the Blue Ranger, the one who plays Coda on, on the show, um, was, you know, takes the guy and makes his, you know, does the, the look at his muscles sort of a thing. And the guy had had good biceps. Yeah. I mean, he's he's definitely built. Uh, the Blue Ranger. Um, and again, I forget the actor's name. He plays Coda. Uh, really, uh, well spoken and stuff, and apparently is studying math, uh, getting a math degree, and really smart guy from the way the others, uh, Rangers and stuff, cast members were talking. Mm-hmm. He plays the caveman. Yes, and the other cast members were joking a lot about the fact that the most intelligent guy off camera plays the least intelligent or academic yes, guy least on academic. camera. And that the irony was not lost on them. When we were walking into the room after we checked in at the the desk there, um, 
the Time Force Red Ranger was mm. walking out. And, and you were saying it sounded like they may be bringing back past Rangers for stuff? I couldn't tell what I was hearing. I was okay. hearing something about that, and I wasn't sure. Because I know they brought him and a number of other ones back at the end of the previous season. And maybe that's what I had heard a reference to. When we got in there, there was, again, the one group doing an interview, and that was for Famous Monsters magazine, maybe? Maybe. Uh, and it was a good interview. I mean, it was. They asked some good questions, had good interaction. Much mm-hmm. better than, again, I, I feel that I would do. And again, I don't do a Power Ranger podcast. I do a comic book podcast. Yeah. Um, but at that point, it was the Five Rangers. And then when they switched up for the next group to do the interview, uh, I moved to another side of the room to check out some of the other toys, basically. Uh, and the, uh, the Boom Studios one sheets they were doing. Because Boom Studios now has the rights to do Power Rangers and is going to be doing some stuff. But at that point, um, another actress joined the group and they got to six. So it was the the five Rangers and uh, the one who plays Kendall, who's kind of sort of their mentor. Mm, okay. Um, and it was funny because the, the, one of the questions that came up in the second interview is basically, what's the pitch for this season? Mm-hmm. And they're all like, uh, why don't you take that question? Yeah. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it was very interesting. They all know one another's strengths. Mm-hmm. And when they were asked, you know, can you all do a shout out with your power, your battle cry, your battle cry, and things like that, they all turned to one of the actors, Michael, uh, the Green Ranger. Yeah. And it was, you know, what should we say? What order should we say it in? And it was basically Michael script us, tell us what we're doing. And he gave it all to them. And then he changed his mind right as he went to lead them in. And they're like, okay, Michael, you're sitting front and center. Instead of us all trying to chant in unison these six lines you've picked for us, we'll all do the battle cry when you give the cue after you've done the first five lines. And all it was basically is, hey, watch our show on Nickelodeon Noon. It starts back up at this point mm-hmm. and, you know go from there but the the whole time they were doing that it's like okay we'll do this we'll do this we'll do this we'll end with that and mm-hmm. that kind of a thing some were thinking they'd all say it together some they wouldn't he started out a little different the black ranger he was in the the they have they have a sofa there and they have the three guys sitting on the, the top of the sofa and then mm-hmm. uh the in this case the green ranger and the, the two young ladies on either side of him on the actual seat of the sofa the one on the the upper edge of the sofa, he's like, I still don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And it was hilarious because they try it, they flub it, they do it again, they flub it, and he's like, okay, the Red Ranger's like, just do this, mm-hmm. you know? And they do that and it works great. Yeah. But in the prior one, there was a point at which it's basically, hey, yeah, they're, they're doing the pitch for the show comes back on it. it uh, well, it was one of those things where the way a question was phrased to them, it walked into the answer. Oh, it, it led directly into it in the... As a team, yes, did it really smoothly? It just kind of worked out. It was fun. It was spon- uh, spontaneous and mm-hmm. natural. And yeah, th- th- again, they had a good chemistry about them. Um, mm-hmm. I've been enjoying the show. I got hooked on it around the uh, the Ninja Storm period, which I think might have been one of of Judd Lynn's seasons. But I'd watched some previous ones and liked them and stuff, and found his name is okay. That's that's one of the better guys for the writing, and. The last couple of seasons that, again, that Saban did after they got it were good, but not great. Mm-hmm. And the end of the last one had some cool moments bringing past Rangers in, but also had some really awkwardness in a few places in the writing, in a few places where, you know, you did good, you could have done amazing. And now this season, 
they set up with a better pitch. Uh, and, and they were mentioning how the monsters they fight, the main monster is essentially a uh, kind of a bail bondsman sort of a thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He has captured all of these other monsters. And he's basically saying, if you get me one of their energems, their their power, I'll let you go free. Mm-hmm. So now the, the monster of the week has an incentive to do good. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned how that changes the dynamic. Well, and the actor, uh, Michael, when he was asked, you know, of the monsters you go up against, who's your favorite to fight? And the other guys were kind of laughing at him for the way he led into it. But he was saying, you know, my favorite monster is the one that I'm getting revenge on because he killed my dog. Well, and he'd phrased it in a misinterpretable way. Let's yes. just phrase it that yes. way. And he's like, why are they laughing? I mean, he kind of got it, but kind of yes. wanted to not let yes. on that he got it. Yes. Um, and it was, again, fun how they, they play off each other. Yeah, definitely. Well, and one of the things I always enjoy about seeing the Power Rangers actors each year, whether it's at the Nickelodeon booth mm-hmm. or when we saw them at the uh, restaurant thing where they were giving out T-shirts one year mm-hmm. um, or in the That was the room. when they were announcing the... 20th? Megaforce team. Yeah, I was saying the 20th anniversary shirts and yeah. Yeah, they were that well they were basically going away from the first team they had done coming back with Saban that did Samurai and Super Samurai to the second team that was doing um uh, Megaforce and Super Megaforce. Yeah, well one of the things they do and I'm assuming it's part of the casting process and I have no idea how they bake this into their casting auditioning process, but they cast people who are good with children. During the second interview we watched uh, being filmed, there was, I guess, the son of one of the people. It was right at the end of it. Like that well, one had but, wrapped up. W- but he was there the whole time. Yes. And he was back in the corner just. You know, and he was, what, five? Max. Max. And it was one he'd clearly seen the show. He was really just excited to be there, but almost in a petrified kind of a state. He was silent, but bouncing up and down in next to his mom. And he was just, you could tell he was grinning ear to ear and just thrilled. Thrilled to be there. But what was funny because... The, the second interview's wrapping up, and each one of their people is like, oh, let's get a photo with, with them with the Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. You know, one's in a red, and, oh, we got another Red Ranger kind of a thing that's going on. So two or three people do that, and they're like, and I forget whose idea it was, but it's like, let's get the kid in here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and when the kid realizes that's about to happen, his eyes shut so tight because he's like, it's, it's like his mind just kind of went pop. Yeah, he couldn't fathom it, and his eyes shut so tight, I was afraid he was going to hurt his eyes trying to close them that tight. But he gets over there. He's got a couple of toy, you know, Energems and stuff, which is, again, the power source for these rangers. They sat him next to the Green Ranger. As they're telling the Green Ranger, you're his favorite. Yeah, and the child is terrified. They sit him next to him. The child kind of fell against the Green Ranger. And bless his heart, Michael put his arm around him, and he said, I love you, Wyatt. And the boy just opened his eyes, and he lit up. I mean, they were very much there for the kids. We even saw that afterwards out in the hall. Yeah, out in the hall, the 
Power Rangers were given a brief break between air views and they saw the kid leaving with his mom and Michael's walking out and he said, Oh, Wyatt, you're still here. That's great. I didn't get a chance to get a hug goodbye from you. And uh, Camille, the Pink Ranger also. Yes. I, they were really great with the kid. Um, and again, the the interaction, they give good answers. They were well coached. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting because as the second one was starting up, one of the rangers was taking a, a sip of something to drink. Mm-hmm. And one of their, their handlers, so to speak, is like, mm-hmm. we don't want you doing that on camera. It just, it doesn't look professional. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Not a problem. Can I put it here? Is this out of shot? Is this okay? You know, mm-hmm. because again, they're very savvy that if they do this well, they could, you know, have a, a good career in television. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Amy Jo Johnson has done uh, The Division, uh, Flashpoint, Felicity, not in that, that order, of course. Uh, she's currently directing a film. Yeah. I mean, she's probably one of the more successful actors. Well, one of the longer working Power Ranger actresses. Let me put it that way. Yeah. Because uh, Liv Tyler on iZombie was in Power Rangers RPM, um, Cabin on the Hill, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, I forget the actress's name, um, I'm blanking on it, she was in uh, Ninja Storm, played the Yellow Ranger, I believe, I, again, I'm blanking on the name, I apologize for that. There have been a couple that have gone on to do some big name projects yeah. and, and get some, some definite success there. Yeah. So they realize there's an opportunity here if they don't screw it up. Yeah. And they, they're having fun. They want to do well, both on the interviewing side, on the show, on the whole thing. And they seem to be genuinely enjoying the experience. Well, we had a brief moment to talk to the Red Ranger afterwards. And because they'd mentioned the circus background and everything, I'd asked him if he'd seen the Assassin's Creed course that's set up, which is a amateur, if you will, American Ninja. He said, oh, yeah, I'm planning to do that. I said, uh, any chance you're going to film it? He said, oh, yeah, planning to make a video. I said, uh, any chance you're planning to put that up on the web for people to see? He's like, oh, yeah, I want to do that, too. And he just, it, it seemed like he would do really well in that. Oh, That's yeah. That's the kind of thing. Him, Stephen Amell, a couple others, like, that would be fun to watch. Oh, yeah. It's one of those things that I think Power Rangers is often overlooked. Yeah, it's just a kid's show. I'll admit, there are one or two seasons. Yeah, it is just a kid's show. But there are also a couple others, and the current one is looking to be one of those. Phenomenal writing, amazing stunts, good solid acting, great action, good plot, and an arc. It's it's fun to watch. It's well done. A kid's show does not last for, gosh, uh, this is its 22nd season, I think, give or take, depends how you count, around 800 episodes. Yeah. There are a few other shows that have that kind of longevity. Yeah. And there's a reason. Yeah. So I'm excited uh, to, to continue watching the show. Again, it was fun to meet the cast. Uh, from my vantage point on the show, the Red and the Pink Rangers seem to get the, the juiciest parts so far. Every ranger usually gets a good couple of episodes that really spotlight them and in support of the team. Now, um, would, now we got uh, press bags. Would you like to do a quick little bag light before we move on? We will. Now, we've uh, had a busy day, so we haven't actually looked at a lot of the stuff we picked up over the course of the day. Part of why I enjoy going to the uh, the the Saban press room is not only just the stuff, but they, they give a really cool bag. 
It's a kind of a nylon, I guess, uh, drawstring backpack kind of a deal with the Power Ranger logo. And I've got a good couple of them. I should yeah. uh, corral them up at home. Just I think well, I've got all the ones since Saban came back. Yeah, usually it's a chance to both preview the merchandise they're going to have. And frequently there's an item or two to help you survive con. Yeah. And it's cool for them just to, to give some stuff away. Now, in this case, mine has one of the, I'm going to say 12-inch action figures, but if somebody were to tell me it was like a 14 or 15-inch action figure, I wouldn't uh, be surprised. I got the Black Ranger. So did I. Which is cool. That was the one that was in the uh, I was gonna say it's upper the, left of, of the, the young the, man from New Zealand who actually apologized for his home country having such lush ground that tripped people up. He was saying something early on about how he could be a little, and I didn't catch exactly what he said, but it was quickly translated by the Red Ranger. He means uncoordinated. Uncord. Ah, that's what it was. He was just abbreviating it, but he said it so quickly that they were afraid it didn't sound quite like that. There were a couple of times they, they translated what he was saying. And yeah. it's like, he's speaking English, guys. Granted, uh, you know, a New Zealand version of it. Yeah. But I, I, I imagine he gets a little ribbing for that over the course of, of their time together. Um, but that was part of the, clearly these guys are friends. Yeah. Well, you can't go through something that's got a very high physical... Uh, workout and and stuff like that plus the acting plus the the travel the press plus the the time in the recording booth to do the the voiceover work you're yeah. spending a lot of time together as a group you you wind up uh getting to know each other pretty well the next thing we and we each got one of these bags uh we've got and we haven't opened up yet and probably won't just because it's a little uh difficult to do while we're recording but two of the one sheets that boom's doing what they did is a series of six Mighty Morphin Power Rangers mini comics. Mm. It's got a, an image on one side. We saw those over at the Boom booth. We did. And part of why I moved uh, where I was standing in the room at one point is so I could go flip some of these around, see what the backs were. And it's just a, a one-page comic of the pink, green, red, blue, uh, yellow, or uh, whichever color I left out from the original uh, Power Power Rangers. Yeah. Uh, it red, one... blue, yellow. They always have that. They had pink. They had um, black. Green? Black was what they had. And green was the, the sixth Ranger at that point. Yeah. Um, at one point, uh, the interviewers kept saying, and where is orange? And they're like, spoiler alert. Don't ask questions like that. Spoiler alert. Well, because when they go to Dino Supercharge, they're going to wind up with the full slate of, I think, 10 Rangers that uh, the season they're adapting has. Ah. Uh. And it's the first time they've really had that many rangers. Interesting. Now, the next thing we got was one of the uh, the dino uh, chargers. These are the battery-like things that plug into their, their weapons and stuff ah, like that. got it. Uh, the Japanese series, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it, um, Ku-Ranger, essentially, Um all the Japanese series is getting to where they have a collectible aspect to it. In one case, it was Ranger Keys, which is what uh, a Super Mega Force had. Prior to that, it was uh, cards. In this case, I got the number one battery. So did I. Uh, which is the, the one for the red Dino Ranger. Um, I've already got the Morpher. Um, but they've got a bunch of them. And the collectible they had this time, and I hadn't realized what the exclusive was exactly until I walked by the booth 
um, today to get a better look at it. It was these sorts of batteries for the original uh, seven Power Rangers. Um, again, red, blue, yellow, uh, black. Um, how do I always do this where I lose track of one? It's red, blue, red, blue, yellow, yellow pink, black, pink and black. Though I missed pink that time, but they also had green and white. Um, and then we also got a really, it's a nice feeling shirt too. Hmm. Um, mine's size large, as is mine. But a really nice uh, Dino Charge shirt that's got the Rangers. Yeah, I like it. Um, and then a postcard for the upcoming. We Power put Mo- that in there. Oh, we put. I put that in there. Uh, Power Morphicon, which is going to happen in August of 2016. That's something I'm tempted to go to just because they've got a lot of stuff both for Power Rangers and for the Super Sentai shows. Mm-hmm. And I just don't find min- much in the way of toys for that. And then the other thing, which is really nice to have, is the list of all the exclusives and all the toys they're going to be doing over the course of uh, the year and such. So it gives me a clue kind of what to go look for at the toy stores and when. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it, it it's a, a fun thing to go check out. Um, it's, again, an invitation only for the press. Um, and I like having the opportunity to do it. Oh, the other thing we got was the uh, Power Rangers Unite um, cards that they had as we uh, signed in, which is part of the mobile card game of uh, Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, just seeing what they're doing, it's a, a property that I personally enjoy quite a bit. I think it's a great entry ramp to get kids, um, now that there are the comics and stuff like that, into comics. It's something that I thought for the last uh, 15, 20 years has needed somebody like Boom to take the property and really do some fun comics with it. Paper Cuts did some good stuff, mm. but it was more graphic novel, digest kind of a thing than uh, monthly comics, and it's something that I think can do very well with monthly comics. I think so, too. I think there's a lot of potential there. So that was how we started our morning. Um, after that, we took a hike over to the uh, the library. Which actually doesn't take that long. We were able to cut through the middle of Petco Park. That cut some time off it. It was very fortunate that was open today. Um, so it probably only took about... Well, now granted, we were doing it from the Omni, not the convention center. That in and of itself cut the commute down quite a bit. Um, but it was probably only about a 10-minute walk. Yeah. Um, and the reason we did that was at noon was the uh, podcasting panel. And I can't imagine what interest you had in the 10th annual all stars of podcasting thank you well the fact i was invited to be on it and stuff uh, i figured i ought to show no it's it's always a great uh great fun time uh john suntress has been organizing it the last couple of years does a great job uh and he's just fun to talk with he is so much fun that when we got there uh i made sure that we could uh plug into the soundboard this year hopefully i didn't screw up the recording um but I checked the levels. I should be all right. Um, although I haven't played it back yet. It'll have gone up before this episode airs. Um, so I plugged my Zoom H5 into it. The uh, Martin at the, the Central Library. Great. Really easy to work with. It's like, yep, we're all set. You can plug in here uh, for power. You can plug in here to get the audio. I hit record. Now, I was smart because I also hit the stopwatch on my phone. Now, I don't know if you noticed. I had a I notepad did. out to where I, I could did. be taking some time notes. Uh, um, and there really nothing to edit 
seriously to edit this time, a cough or two, whatever. Well, and the really nice thing was Martin noticed that we were all chatting. We were trying to involve the audience and stuff. Well, shortly after I got it set up, Suntress came in. And I'm like, yep, I'm all plugged in. He's like, oh, great. So we're putting our stuff down. We're sitting down just chatting and stuff. How you doing? We start getting in. Oh, let's not get into the panel just yet, but there are other things to talk about. We're talking to some of the audience members. And we were there. We were the first panel of the day. Mm-hmm. And we'd gotten there at least a half hour early. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, about 45 minutes early, yeah. I think, based on my notes. Because I had recorded for about 45 minutes before the panel started. Yeah. But Martin let us use that as a sound check that he was grateful for. He commented to me as because he would come over periodically and adjust the mics a little. Mm-hmm. Just to get better, you know, positioning of them and stuff. And it's like, thank you. I mean, I appreciate a sound guy who cares about the quality of the mm-hmm. stuff. He yeah. appreciated us actually just being up there talking and stuff so he could do an actual sound check for somebody. Yeah. Uh, he said that was the first, we were the first group he was able to do that for. Yeah. And I know uh, John was a little, uh, Suntress was a little frustrated with the location of the panel because some of the people, uh, well, Calvin, who was on the panel, is actually covering the convention for Publishers Weekly, uh, the beat and stuff, and it's hard enough for him to take an hour out of the day just to do the panel, but to then have to go spend 15, 20 minutes walking to and from, that's a big ask. Well, he had an 11 a.m. interview that he was doing in the convention center. Yeah. So to be committed at noon over at the library, he made it, but he got there five minutes before the panel, and we were all really grateful he and made it. And I think it. he'd worked up a bit of a sweat coming over. He had. He he's had. He's a great guy. I enjoy talking with him on the panel. Yeah. He's a... a, a I'm going to use the term serious journalist, but in the best of all ways. He's smart. He's thoughtful. He knows the stuff backwards, forwards, left and right. Keeps up on the technology and what's going on much better than I do Mm -hmm. on some of this stuff. And I learned a couple of things about some stuff that's that's available um, these days. So he brings a lot to the table. I really enjoy it when he uh, participates. It, It makes for a great discussion. We also had Greg Pack. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's writing, uh, I forget if it's Superman or Action, I get those uh, mixed up. And he's also writing two other books. The Awesome Hulk is coming totally out. Totally awesome. Totally awesome Hulk. He commented how he likes you know, that, because that way when you reference the title, it sounds like you're also reviewing it and it comes out good. Um, but he's written Planet Hulk. He's written a ton of stuff. And just getting his perspective on the impact podcasting has had Mm because his career really started in comics around 2004, which is roughly the time the, the podcasting stuff in general started. Yeah. So it was, it was really fun. It was a fantastic conversation that I think we should resist spoiling. So if people haven't listened to it, they should go download it. It's available there. I'm also going to give the uh, full blown thing uh, recording to uh to Suntress in case he wants to put the full thing up. Um Yeah. Again, haven't edited it yet as I record this, but it's already been on the feed by the time this goes up. I'm probably just gonna release the actual panel itself. Yeah. And uh Calvin was interested yes. for Publishers Weekly for having a copy and a link, so maybe it'll go up there too. That'd be nice. Yeah. Well and again I'm usually the one who records the stuff anyways. It's it's all good. It's fun yeah. to do. Um, and you know, I like to earn my keep. Well, but the other thing that we talked about with Suntress before and after is the fact that one of the great things about podcasting as a technology and the podcasting panel is that the audience is not limited to the people who are physically in the room. Absolutely. 
We had a good side crowd, at least as good as we've had in past years, I think a little bit better, which surprised me given the location. Yes. It started out kind of thin, but it grew. Yes. Um, and I think part of that is it just took people longer to get there than they might have expected. Yeah. But both uh, Martin, uh, the sound guy at the library, seemed to really enjoy it. The convention person who was handling the room mm-hmm. seems to, to really enjoy it. Yeah. Because I think we bring a different perspective to the industry, to the convention, and just, uh, I don't, uh, I hate to use the word pundits, but I mean, yeah, we're offering commentary on what we see, what we think. Well, and it was funny, one of the library employees who uh, came up to Calvin afterwards said that she had been asked to basically come over and keep an eye on the room with Martin just, you know, to make sure what was going on with these panels, because it's the first time Khan's been using it. And she wasn't all that excited about what am I going to be doing, just sitting in here listening to panels I know nothing about. And she came in and she sat down and she saw Calvin's name up on the thing. And she's like, wait a second. I read articles this guy named Calvin writes for Publishers Weekly all the time. I wonder if. And she's like, I'm a huge fan of yours. This was amazing. Yeah. Well, and again, um, there's the people in the room. And with this panel, since it's going up on our feed, it'll go a version of it up on, on the Word Balloon feed. <coughs> and also um, Publishers Weekly. Yeah. So it'll get a... a, a Bigger viewing yes. or listening audience than is in the room. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why the uh, volunteer from Comic-Con comes after the panel each year. Because mm. this isn't the first time I've heard him come out afterwards and reassure the participants. That was a great conversation. We're really glad that you guys took the time to participate and have that panel. Well, because... It's entirely conceivable. I don't know how the the, the downloads are for, for Publishers Weekly or for, for Word Balloon. But between just our three podcasts, it is not inconceivable. It could get over 6,500 downloads. Oh, it's definitely going to get that based on what I've seen past years get. And that's as big as Hall H can handle. Yeah. That is a little bit mind-blowing just right there. It is. And I was sitting on the same stage, I don't think in the same seat, but possibly, that, that Robert Picardo, the, 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 the doctor from Voyager. I can check the photos. So, I mean, it's not just, oh, we're relegated to some, some obscure room or whatever. Mm. Again, there are name actors and stuff that are, are gracing the same stage. Yeah, Bob. Which is kind of cool. Bob Picardo and Mira Furlan may have been in our seats just yesterday. So, kind of funny. Uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things, but it's, it's no. cool. Um, okay, so from, from that, there, we went back to the hall. Well, we went to the hall for the first time that Yes, night. well, that's true. It's funny because we're walking down. Um, Calvin peels off after a bit. Good talking with him afterwards, of course. And then we're talking with with John Suntress. We get over there. We get into the the lobby. It's like, oh, I want to go grab the daily uh, update. So I'm doing that. We're starting to mill around there. Security guard comes by. It's like, well, you can't stand here. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go over there. 
get over there, security guy. No, same one. I think it was a different. Anyways, it was a different one. But what, you can't stand there. What amused me was every time they did that, you guys had stopped just long enough to open the daily update and look at it to figure out where you wanted to go. Well, you and, hadn't really had time to stand. And I and, get and what John they're doing. Asked the, the the logical question: Where can we stand? Nope. You can't stand here. Okay. So we wind up going into the convention hall and standing at the side of somebody's booth. Yeah. So if you wonder why people are doing it, it's because the fire marshal will not let you do it almost anywhere else. Yeah. It was kind of silly, but it's like, okay, that's, it, it's the way it works. I get it. Oh, it, it was unfortunate that we just didn't know where to go, and we were trying to figure out where to go. and Yeah. Yeah, there is no designated figure out where to go spot. So we talked a little longer with, uh, with John, and then uh, I think we pretty much all of us split ways shortly thereafter. I I kept hold of you for a few minutes because I wanted oh, that's you right. to go with me to Titan Books. We went over to, to Titan uh, Titan Books, Titan Comics, Titan just about everything. Yeah. Uh, got a, a nice little uh, uh, piece of art. Piece of art. It's a print or whatever uh, by Neil Edwards, who I think also signed it for it. Uh, signed us. Signed it for us. It's it's uh, almost on 1 a.m. So if I start getting my words all wrong, that's why. But of the uh, the current doctor, the Capaldi doctor, and uh, Clara as uh, they're promoting the four doctors, and he gave a, a really quick pitch on what the thing is, and he did he good did. sales pitch. Yeah, and I'm, like, I'm reading the stuff. I'm loving what you've published so far. Keep up the great work. Yeah. Um. But the other thing we we went over for was to pick up a copy of the autobiography of James T. Kirk. Yeah, I'd been hearing about this throughout the con, and I knew it wasn't hitting actual stores until, I believe, September. It, uh, one of the listeners mentioned it on not the current preview spotlight, but the one before, I think. Interesting. Maybe the current, I forget. Yeah, like I said, I'd been hearing about it, um, but... You're able to get early copies here at Con, mm-hmm. so I'd want to pick it up. the uh, The only quote on the back of it is: "The greatest danger facing us is an irrational fear of the unknown, but there's no such thing as the unknown. Only things temporarily hidden, temporarily not understood." James T. Kirk. Okay, he won't say that for about a hundred and you know fifty years. I'm curious if he actually said it in one of the the shows or the movies, or if it's a quote they made up for the book. True, but um, I can't wait to read this. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, Kirk, of course, is just an iconic uh, sci-fi character. Yeah, so it should be a lot of fun. Um, over the course of the day, we went to many, many places. One of the other places um, we went to together, and I think it was around that same time. It was as we were heading over to the Moines to drop off the backpacks. It was. We finally made it over to uh, Future Dude, um, which is a publisher that did uh, Parallel Man that I've read, enjoyed. Um, They have that. They have Oceanus, a new project, and uh, Brainstorm that I had somehow uh, missed or whatever. So I was able to get copies of uh, Brainstorm, the six-issue miniseries, the uh, trade collection of Parallel Man that has some added bonuses, the Act 1 trade of Oceanus, and the the Blu-ray of Oceanus, which is a a limited edition. 
uh, thing. You know, there are times when I dislike all those video screens that are going in the hall, but Future Dude is brilliant having Oceanus playing up there because the moment you start seeing those pretty effects and the quality of the work on this Blu-ray, how can you resist? The effects were, were awesome. Um, it's got, uh, Sharif Atkins from White Collar. Uh, White Collar. Big fan of him there. That series has now ended. Uh, Bruce Davidson, Malcolm McDowell. So, I mean, they've got some, some name actors here. Mm-hmm. And everything I was seeing on the screen looked good. I flipped through the, uh, the trade. It's like, wow, that looks good. Yeah. The likenesses are, are, I don't know which came first. Agreed. I think I, at this stage, I can think of only one possible negative comment to say about the Oceanus Blu-ray. It's only 35 minutes, and I wish it were longer. It uh, actually is a little bit longer. I think if you include the special features, it goes for about 43 minutes. But so, it's Act 1. I think exactly. there's more to come. I think this might have been something that was a... Uh, crowdfunded sort of thing I'm i not bet sure. it was i bet it was but i was looking up at that screen going wow i wish it was a 90 minute movie but we got to talk mm. with uh jeffrey morris who is their future dude their visionary and you know he's got some some great ideas i really enjoyed parallel man and such so i'm looking forward to to watching oceanus and reading the stuff mm-hmm. uh both there and um the the brainstorm and yeah. we've got uh looks like a another feature film kind of in the works, Venus. So I mean it's it's fun to see creators who are passionate about a project going putting it together and, and getting it out there in whatever formats they can. In this case, live action with awesome effects and a really solid production on the comic book uh, graphic novel side. Yeah. Well and I was looking through the Oceanus graphic novel at one point when we were debating, you know, what we want to get, etc. And I thought, you know, as much as we enjoy seeing things in multiple mediums, that one, both mediums looked really well done and really attractive. So I'm looking forward to enjoying it in both. Now, one of the other places I went to was uh, Bliss on Tap. They do... Shoot, I'm blanking on the name. It was the other time travel series I've been enjoying. I was with you at that one. It'll come to us. Brian Phillipson, president of, of Future Dude, I apologize. I am blanking on this. It is... Bliss on Tap. Yeah, Bliss on Tap is, is the uh, one. Uh, it's a black and white series. They I talked to them last year, and they had already gotten the first couple of issues in the can before they even started soliciting through previews. Oh, that's clever. They're working ahead. They know what they're doing. They're doing some fun stuff. And the basic premise here is it's two time agents that are going and fixing stuff in the past, and they know it's a one-way trip, which means they can travel back in time. What's the big deal? Well, if you want to move forward, you do it the slow way. So they move back, fix something. They realize something else is wrong. They move back. They fix it. They move back. They fix, you know. And there comes a point where you're getting further and further back. So I'm, I'm again, enjoying that quite a bit. Um, at one point when I was talking to the people over at, um, Lions, uh, Force Comics, the, uh, we picked up some of their sample stuff, uh, Airwolf, Punky Brewster, Saved by the Bell. I've ordered a couple of these things, so I've got the full graphic novels coming. I'm curious about that. 
This was stuff they did as digital first. They got it in print. When I was over there talking to them at one point, I ran into Rick Offenberger of uh, First Comics News. And this is something, a uh, site that I just found out about recently. Haven't really had time to dig into, but somebody on the forum had posted it when Drew was asking where's a good place to get solicitation information. Because he's finding CBR to be a little busy and chaotic with all the the, the ads and stuff like that. And uh, frankly, I, I kind of agree with that. It's... Uh, a little bit crazy. Um, I also picked up another set of the uh, postcards uh, for the different things from Anomaly Productions. Uh, Between Worlds, Anomaly 2, Shifter. They're also doing um, a new monthly book from Image that I just mentioned on the recent preview spotlight. And who the title of which I've, I'm blanking on at the moment. Hmm. Um Picked up a couple more of the flyers from uh, Geek Chic that does the the furniture because uh, I realized they had one on the different accessories you could plug into the table. Everything from a cup holder to a wine glass holder for the upper end people. Um, and it's really good looking furniture. Um, what else did I pick up? I uh, went to the Shout Factory, got their Comic-Con 2015 catalog. Uh, they've got what looks like microfiber cleaning cloths and stuff that's pretty cool. Um, and also, one of the things um, I did later in the day is swung by the uh, Power Ranger Dino Thunder booth, um, which was over at... I'm trying to think if that was the actual... I think that was the Bandai booth itself. Mm. Yeah, because it's where we're selling the uh, exclusives. Uh, picked up a flyer for Miraculous, uh, Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir that's coming to Nickelodeon. Looks like a computer graphic kind of thing featuring maybe superhero type teenage character. I don't know. It, the, the image looks cool and it's like, okay, I want to know more. But um, the other people I ran into there were the uh, were Bruno and Mia from MMPR Toys. I've been watching them on YouTube. They don't know me from, you know, random crazy stalker guy. Uh, but I, I was able to say, hey, I like your work, uh, keep it up, chat with them for a few minutes. Very cool. And they were very nice, very much like they are on the videos, uh, which was reassuring. Because they, they come across cool, and they do some really fun videos. Bruno at one point worked on the Power Rangers series, and I'm not entirely sure in what capacity, maybe props or something like that, maybe effects. Um, but they've shown, um, he's done like dioramas and stuff like that for his toys, they do really good reviews of the toys. They just do some fun stuff. When they review the show, they'll have stuff where they're like talking to one of the Zords and effects and all that. I mean, mm-hmm. they're mini film production type things in five minute installments sometimes. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, the other thing worth talking about is, um, one of the other projects, uh, Greg Pack has going on. It's Kingsway West, uh, coming out from Image, I believe. Dark Horse, Dark Horse, it's Dark Horse. About a, uh, a Chinese gunslinger in the Old West looking for his wife. I believe that was In right. a land that's got magic, dragons, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, he signed a number of kind of mini posters and stuff at the uh, the panel before he had to move on to his next thing. He had to leave the panel early to get to a signing at the Dark Horse booth, but he made the time to come to the panel even though he'd have to rush out early. Absolutely appreciate that. Yeah. It, it was fun talking with him. Yeah, that was very cool of I him. I mean, I've been reading his stuff probably since 2004. First time I've really gotten to meet and talk with him. 
And part of that's I'm a major introvert. I don't really go do much talking like that unless forced upon me. Um, beyond that, uh, we picked up a couple of books here and there. Star Wars Tarkin, uh, a few things like that over in the Star Wars Pavilion. And then uh, while I was doing a lot of the stuff, you had head over to the Top Shelf. Top Oof. Shelf. And I ended up... Uh, oddly enough, in my opinion, at the IDW booth is where I got a copy of, it's not an actual comic book, I'm not sure what to call it, but it's Martin Luther King and the Montgomery Story, and uh, it's uh, John Lewis and uh, his co-authors from March have put this out. It's interesting because it is a, a comic book, but it's all newsprint cover included, maybe eight, 12 pages. I don't know. I haven't counted. Um, now, is it published by IDW? How did this may have actually... I, I don't know why the signing was at the IDW booth. I honestly don't know. There actually, I have a piece of paper that said, that came from the IDW booth that was saying that they were somehow connected to the March panel, I think. I'm almost wondering if this is a new production or or not. The um, style of it is very old-timey, if you will, in terms of uh, yeah. 70s-type comics yeah. or earlier. Um, yeah, so John Lewis, you know, the congressman, which is just amazing. He was there and talking to everyone. Um, he definitely looked... Like he'd had a long day. Who he, at Comic Con doesn't look that way? Very true. Very and, true. And whoever that is, what is their secret? And well, I mean, it was after four in the afternoon, and he had apparently arrived in San Diego this morning before breakfast. Mm -hmm. Had breakfast, then been brought to the convention center to do a ten a.m. panel, and he'd been just going and going and going ever since. So, you know, more power to him. For yeah. being able to keep that schedule. Um, but, uh, yeah, just amazing to get to meet someone who was a part of that as taking the time to tell the story and to present it in a way that younger generations are going to be exposed to it and are going to learn about an important part of our history. Well, and they need to, because if you don't learn from history, you're doomed to repeat it. Exactly. And there were a lot of struggles during the uh, the civil rights movement that we don't need to repeat. We should learn from these mistakes. Definitely. Certain things were done right. Certain things were done horribly wrong. And, I mean, just uh, uh, there's a big push right now for diversity in comics and for diversity is I don't think the right word. It's more inclusion. Let's get different types of characters out there because mm -hmm. there are different types of people. Yeah. And the reality is with comic properties having gone mainstream, everybody is part of the audience and should get represented. Yeah. You know, we should never have any kid born today growing up in a world where he thinks he or she thinks they can't be a superhero, a president, a rock star or whatever. Yeah. Because of their ethnicity, their religious beliefs, the color of their skin, their gender, their orientation, whatever. Mm -hmm. everybody needs role models, needs something to shoot for and say, yeah, I identify with this character. They're like me and wow, they're amazing. I can be amazing too. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to see things like March getting on the shelves, getting some, some, uh, some traction there. 
and this whole push for for kind of inclusion of different types of of characters and creators and such. Yeah, it looks like uh, the much-anticipated March volume or book three uh, will be coming. Cool. So, yeah, I think it's just an amazing project. Now, I only spent, because by the time we got over to there, it was uh, 1.30-ish, whatever, a couple hours there, and I had spent it more walking the, not the individual hundreds aisles, but the cross aisles back and forth. Well, and I asked you to show me a few booths. Yeah, so we did some of that. And mm-hmm. there's still one or two I, w- I want to take you to. If you make it to the animation magazine booth, mm-hmm. that's where they had the uh, the crazy talk thing I was yeah, talking yeah. about. Uh, they've got a show special, and I really don't think it would work for what I want to do, but I may pick it up tomorrow anyways. Um, and we went looking for a few people that turned out not to be at the con this year. Uh, but I, I wanted to hit all the end caps and yeah. such like that. We went over to the Marvel Collector Core booth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wound up literally crisscrossing the hall, um, multiple times again. And this was a, a intentional thing to do. But, um, once for the back of the hall, once for the front of the hall, and then kind of three times for the middle, uh, at various stages. So I've, I think I've seen what there is to see. Um, are there places I could go back to and spend money? Absolutely. The um, the Star Trek communicator, some of those things I probably shouldn't, but those are cool. Did you see the kit uh, Night Rider item at that booth? Uh, that was at the Back to the Future book uh, booth where they had. No, it was there. They had a. A USB charger that plugs into your cigarette lighter and looks like uh, the, the voice box. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, they had. Yeah, they've got some cool stuff, and that was also right near the Back to the Future booth. See, that would be my subtle way of telling John I found the communicator booth. Ah, yeah. too subtle for uh, one a.m. For one a.m. Um, the only other item, oh yes, that I received today came from one of our best Sestras, as we call them, among the Orphan Mm. Black fans. She surprised me when we met up for dinner with an elect Allison Hendricks pin, because she made it to the Orphan Black meetup, which I just thought was incredibly nice of her, since I was off at Power Rangers at that point. One of the other things I picked up was at the Shell Factory. It was G.I. Joe Dog Tags. Oh, I see. Um, so we did the walking around. We met back up over in Artist Alley around 4.30. Mm-hmm. Now, some people are thinking, wow, that's early. The show's open till 7. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But one, we hadn't had anything to eat since breakfast. Two, we'd arranged to meet some people at a restaurant at 5 o'clock. So we did that. And the reason we did that is so we could go see a movie afterwards because we'd gotten the wristbands to go see the rogue cut of X-Men Days of Future Past. I was going to say, fear not, we did not foolishly act like civilians and pay for a movie. We did the Comic-Con thing and went to a Comic-Con movie. Now, what that means is you stand in the line for a bit, you get ushered into the theater, you sit there for a lengthy period of time. Hour and a half. And then uh, Brian Singer comes in, introduces his movie, which he seems very proud of, as he should be. He does a great job. 
both of the original cut and this cut, and then you see the new cut. And he he gives an explanation of why the new cut. Is it just an effort to get you to pay for the DVD or Blu-ray a second time, or is there a reason for it? And I would say there is. I think it's a different film. Obviously, it's the same basic plot, whatever, but there are enough nuanced differences in... It's not just, hey, they added a couple of scenes. Mm -hmm. They tweaked a lot of things, a couple of reaction shots, a couple of lines of dialogue are different, Mm -hmm. and it felt like a fuller movie. Mm -hmm. So I'd been wondering, is it really worth picking this up or not? I think it is. Mm -hmm. So I may order it. uh, I may either pick it up tomorrow or just order it on Amazon. Yeah, and it's one where uh, I want to see both cuts... I want to, I want to rewatch the other one. There were a few places where I'm like, I'm pretty sure this is part of the new cut. There are 17 new minutes, he was mm-hmm. saying. Uh, there were some things where I'm like, yeah, definitely part of the new cut. Uh, there was one place where he intercut new stuff with old scenes. There were a couple of things where he was crossing the timelines. Yeah. And, and the, the dissolves or whatever between were just really well done. Yeah, well, and that was the thing. I was having to pay attention and go, okay, future, past, future, past, future, past. It was fast. fun. And yes. I think we need to pick up the the road cut. We need yes. to rewatch at some point, or at least one of us does, uh, that film. And hopefully by that point, somebody will have done some of the homework for us and tell yeah, us really. what all the differences are. I don't know that I've got time for that. Uh, but we may do a follow-up episode on that movie because we did one already. But just what differences are there and why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And which do we like better and how come? Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie holds up. The changes helped. Uh, there was one or two other things. that was clearly new footage. It's like, okay, that was just cool. Yeah. Um, so that was that was well worth doing. But then by the time we uh, hiked out of that section of downtown, back to the car, got in the car, got out of that section and over to the hotel, it was midnight by the time we got here. And now an hour later, it is time to say good night. Yes, we will be back um, technically later today for what we do uh, Sunday at Con, and uh, that'll pretty much wrap up our coverage. Um, hopefully people are enjoying this, and like I said, we'll continue after we've gotten some sleep, gone back to the convention, gotten tired again, and uh, sit down and record again. It is about 8.45 p.m. on Sunday. Comic-Con 2015 is over. We seem to have survived. Uh, My feet, a little worse for wear, but that's par for the course. And, man, the morning came way too quick this morning. We were up way too late last night with that X-Men screening, but it was a lot of fun. Glad we did it. Um, We did the usual uh, roll out of bed, uh, pick ourselves up off the floor, uh, get ready, have breakfast, head over. Um, and it's one of those things. Comic-Con has 130, 150,000 people. And you can go the entire time barely, I mean, not seeing pe- certain people you're looking for and, and constantly bumping into other people and stuff. So as we were getting out of the uh, the parking garage, we lucked into one of our friends uh, who was just walking the other way. She was heading over to Petco Park. To the parking lot of Petco Park to see Snoopy. Mm-hmm. And Scream Queens and Point Break and all of the, I'm not sure what you call the fun that gets set up in the Petco Park parking lot every year, but. 
for people who are not totally familiar with the venue, basically you've got the convention center. It's eight blocks long. Halfway point goes into the gas lamp. Uh, from the convention center, looking into the gas lamp, right there on the right is off by about a block because you've got the Omni and the parking garage and stuff like that. But beyond that is the Petco uh, baseball stadium. Mm-hmm. On the other side of that is a parking lot, Petco Park, uh, which in past years and this year too, they set up stuff. Kind of like the uh, the FX arena they had. In this case, over at Petco Park, excuse me, they had a giant inflatable Snoopy doghouse. Mm-hmm. And this is a couple of stories, you know, three stories tall or whatever. It's huge. 30, 40 feet um, tall and scaled appropriately. They also had a Scream Queens thing, which when we saw it getting set up, uh, I guess that would have been Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm like, what is that? It looks like a crane. It's a metal series of girders or whatever that goes up three, four, five stories. And it's an amusement park ride. They haul up a collection of uh, uh, a uh, probably sixteen people seated yeah, four on these on things. Each side, it's a square rig that's got seats and harnesses. They haul the people up and they drop them. Mm-hmm. They I mean, want to make the queens scream. So very clever. Mm-hmm. I don't know again that I would ride on something that was set up for that sort of duration. I noticed as we were walking by at one point today, they were testing it. Okay. <laughs> It's been up a couple of days, and you're having to retest it. Not going to ask why. But that's the sort of thing they've got over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll get to what was in Petco Park, uh, the baseball uh, stadium, a little later. Because we spent a little time there. We headed over to the convention center after we, we bumped into Linda. And we went to a couple of booths, uh, say hi to some people, look for some other people. Uh, checked out that animation magazine thing where they had the mm-hmm. software I was talking about. We decided... Well, our goal was to go straight to Loot Crate. But the problem was Loot Crate was at the furthest point of the hall. It was in the back of the hall on the right at the uh, in the 200s. Yeah. So and- from where we park, where we enter, it was the furthest point. So we were bobbing and weaving through the people, the aisles, the everything to get there. So on the way, John would say, well, this booth I've been wanting to show you is on the way. I think actually we did that on the way back. That may be. And I would say, well, there's a publisher where I want to see if they have a book. So we did a lot of things that were just right on the way. Yeah, we did a half dozen sort of things, but a lot of it was just, hey, let's duck down this aisle of blocks. We've got to go all the way to the back of the hall anyway, so Mm -hmm. pick and choose when you do that. Mm -hmm. Walk by, oh, they've got a freebie. No, they don't. We'll check back Mm -hmm. later. So it's not like it took any real time. Well, and that's the thing. We made it all the way across or diagonal or however you want to phrase this through the hall in probably 15 minutes, hitting a lot of booths along the way. It was probably one of the fastest times I've traversed the hall because I had a mindset of a destination and a I'm only stopping at places that are directly between me and Loot Crate. I think it was yesterday when we were meeting up before heading over for dinner. Maybe it was the day before. It was yesterday. I was at that area where Loot Crate is. And I was going down the back of the hall over to Artist Alley, the far other end of the convention center. And 
also looking at all the, the booze on, on the end. Now, a lot of these are ones that are pretty quick for me to tell, yep, I just don't care about yeah. that. You know, oh, they've got autograph signatures. Oh, they've got this. They've got that. And the one or two that I was interested in, frankly, I'd already scoped out. Uh, I made it across that hall, including behind the Warner Brother booth, in 10 minutes. Yeah. And I wasn't racing. I wasn't going fast. So it's... It's a big venue, but if you know where you're going and are working towards getting it, the crowd's not too much in your way. You can get pretty far pretty fast. Now, first of the day, all the people going to the places that have the exclusives and stuff, a little harder. And again, we made a few detours. But we were at the uh, the Loot Crate thing early in the morning. Mm-hmm. So the reason we were going there is they had two special crates for Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we mentioned this maybe the other night. They had a Creatures and a mm-hmm. Cosmos Cosmic. Cosmic. Thank you. And we weren't interested in the creatures. That's more supernatural, horror-ish type stuff than, than I care for. Ghost, ghouls, goblins, and Jurassic Park. And it was also the smaller of the two boxes. Technically, I should say Jurassic World. Fair enough. We did pick up the Cosmic one. It was a $100 box plus sales tax, so 108 all said and done. But it's Star Wars. It's Star Trek. It is... Our genres. Exactly. It, it, The properties they were saying it has stuff in are properties of interest to us. Mm-hmm. And the box is huge. The box, we will have to use our yardstick, I believe, to measure it when we get back to Texas. Because I might possibly have told John that there is no way I can stay awake long enough to record a box light tonight. No, we're not doing a box light. Even if you could stay awake. <laughs> I still got to edit the podcast episode, which has, which I've got ske- want to schedule to go up before we get home. The point being, it's not being opened until we're back yes. in Texas. But this thing is at least seven, eight inches tall, at least a foot wide, and probably a foot and a half, two feet in the other direction. It's huge. Um, so hopefully we will consider it worth a hundred bucks. It was fun to do anyways. Um, the fact they had special stuff uh, for the, the crowd here I thought was cool. Um, it basically filled one of those WB bags that we were given when we first picked up our badges. Yeah. Now, those bags are smaller this year and past years. Those are about 18 inches by 2 feet, give or take. Um, I don't know. No, that's not a WB bag oh, that you're looking I'm at. I'm looking you're... at a block sales bag, which is not a WB no, bag. No, that's an Anchor Bay bag. You are correct. I'm looking at the wrong bag. The Anchor Bay bags, though, are... it's been a long um, week. I'm tired. Yeah, sorry. It's, yeah, they're they're decent-sized bags, but they're not the billboard size that they were a couple of years back, where they were like a yard in each direction. So... Two feet by two and a half. No, I'll definitely agree. They're much smaller than they once were. But, and the box didn't totally fill this bag. But the uh, the box filled the height of the bag. Yeah. I and the, the box is wider than the bag was, so that's part of it. I don't think, uh, I don't know. So anyway, it's in the other room. I'm too lazy to get up and go check. We'll measure oh, yeah. the box when we open it. But it was a good sized box, so I would give it two feet tall for sure. Like I said, it it may require the yardstick instead of the 12 inch oh, ruler yeah. to measure. And to me, that says they went the I was going to say extra mile, but we'll go with the extra six inches. At least the extra foot. 
for Comic-Con with the exclusives. So we did that. Then, as we started going back through the hall, we hit a few places, including the animation magazine that had the uh, crazy talk animation thing. And the more I looked at it, the more I thought, you know, that's just kind of a cheesy thing. If I'm going to do video, and I'm not saying I will, uh, I can do something better than that anyways. And it just wasn't set up for my use case, which was just take these podcasts and give some sort of some sort of video worth watching if to put it on YouTube. Yes. Yes. Um and it just made me a, a bad idea anyways, but I like doing stuff as audio cuz that way people can listen to it in the car or whatever. Yeah. Um so we did that, we hit one or two other booths. And I'll be honest, uh a lot of the day frankly gets into a bit of a blur because we we did a little zigging and zagging in the hall at that point. We were very sporadic in the hall today because we were looking for people. We were looking for specific items. Today was our day to check back with people who we yeah. made contact with earlier in the convention. Our day to check back on items that we'd seen earlier and say, okay, was this something we wanted to follow up on or not? And I'll admit I had a, a horrible hit rate on that today. Yes. You know, I swung by uh, Shout Factory at one point to find out what they had released, but they were kind of busy with other stuff, mm-hmm. so I didn't uh, get a chance to really find out what their big announcements were. And I was also figuring, you know, I'll just go online and find out. And, you know, that's one of the amazing things, though, about the age we live in. There was a time where if you weren't in the room during the panel, you didn't hear what was said during the panel, you missed it. But now everything's being live tweeted. It's being reported. Yeah. There's so much you can find afterwards. Last year, six weeks after Comic-Con, I was going through the video on demand options on my cable box. And suddenly I'm finding the Comic-Con panel for this TV show, that TV show, the other TV show. And I'm like, wow, there's that panel I couldn't get into. Awesome. And that's part of why I don't feel a huge need to go to some of those panels. They're going to be on the DVD extras. The news is going to get reported. I'm willing to bet if I were to go to comic book resources right now or a couple other websites, I'd be able to find out most of what happened the last couple of days. And knowing that has changed my approach to what I do at Con. Oh, absolutely. Same here. Um, and I'll admit, by the time I circle back to a couple of people, uh, I went to go check out, uh, Aaron Lepresti. I never got a chance to talk to him, uh, this year, and I love talking with him. Great, great artist. He's starting to do, oh, not starting. He's been doing some writing for years. Great writer, too. But by the time I, I double back to his booth today, uh, cause I'd done it earlier in the weekend and he wasn't there at, the, at that particular time, and go figure, high demand artist, um, he, he was gone. It was late today yeah. when I did that. So, you know, that, that happens. Well, and Sunday is one of the few days, and it's because we're so tired late in the convention, that I think over the years we've developed a consistent habit of we actually leave the convention center and have a nice, long, leisurely sit-down lunch on Sundays. Yeah, today we got out of the convention hall 11.30-ish. Um, 11.45. 11.45-ish. We had a nice lunch over at the Tin Fish with our friends, the Chans. Uh, again, Tinfish, I don't know how I, I didn't go there for so many years after the convention moved to the convention center, after the Civic Center. I didn't because it was always slammed when I was trying to go. Learning to go at off-peak times, before uh, the rush, after the rush. Today, well, 
I think part of it is it looks more slammed than it is. And we went at 11.45. True, we went true. just before the typical 12, 12.30 rush. We went before the rush, but because of all the hubbub around it, yes, it looks busier than it is. And they're fast in how they take the orders and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, now that I know they've got the good gluten-free menu, we've known that for a couple of years, eaten there for a couple of years. It's great food. It's fun. It's it's a good place to, to do it. It's convenient. Yeah. Um, so nobody else go there. I ate, I've staked that out. Get the hell out. No, I'm kidding. Um, one of the things that we did before we headed to lunch, and again, I'm getting this out of order. I apologize. It's a busy day. Uh, we headed over to one of the publishers, Simon & Schuster. Yes. That does the Star Trek novels, and they had a Star Trek Savage Trade by uh, Tony Daniel as the giveaway at that point. And it's a uh, original Captain Kirk era uh, novel. They also had a free ebook offer for the Entropy Effect, mm-hmm. and uh, they're celebrating forty years of Star Trek novels, which is just amazing to me. The number of books they've put out, how many of the books I've enjoyed. I was telling the guy at one point I had been pretty much, I think, current on the novels, and that would have been sometime in the '90s. So I'm I'm behind. Uh, but they're, they're great stuff if you're into Star Trek. Uh, mm-hmm. some of these artists, man, they know their Star Trek inside and out and they can tell some great stories. Yeah. So we did that, but we headed over to Nerd HQ. Yes. After we dropped our stuff. And of course, Nerd HQ is on the other side of the convention hall from Tin Fish. So this was another day that involved some walking. Uh, but you know, we got in there. We, uh, I picked up one of the shirts because I yes. like the design. We tried to get you one, but they were sold out of uh, your size at that point. Oddly enough, uh, extra, extra large, still in stock. Um, so we did that. We uh, went ahead and went through the loot crate line for the uh, shoot the uh, Cylon targets that we'd mentioned in the past loot crate with a dart gun. Which proves why it was in the loot crate. We knew there was a reason. And the darts they had. I, I'm not familiar with the particular guns they had. Mm-mm. Stuck pretty well to the, the targets. I was I was impressed. Um, my aim, I'm going to blame the gun. Because I thought I was aiming reasonably well, and it kept going in different directions every time. Yeah, pretty much. You know, there was no compensate for the the targeting. But it was fun. It got a little hot in there at that point, though. Yeah. Wandered around in there a little bit. Uh, Then we headed out to take foes of the last ship banner on the end of... Marriott. Marriott. Yes. I took a couple of photos of that. Uh, it was hard to get a good angle with the palm trees for the bottom. Yeah, but I like that banner they put up. That was a good one. Well, and the last ship had a very good showing at the convention. It had the banner, mm-hmm. nice uh, uh, banner, well-placed. It had a booth that was a kind of a quasi-recreation of uh, the bridge of, mm-hmm. of the ship, scaled down, of course, to fit in the convention center. Uh, and an Oculus Rift kind of VR. I don't know if it's Oculus Rift specifically. I think it was. I think so. But a VR headset game. Yeah, you went you in. You were done the other night. Uh, yeah, the you went in and you were trying to uh, rescue the primordial strain. And it's funny because when you were doing it, they were saying, you know, don't let the Russians get it. And I realize now uh, we're in season two. I think we were actually trying to prevent... Um, 
from this first season, uh, the Russians. Yeah, but I think we may actually have been doing this in season two. We may have been oh. trying to prevent uh, the people in Baltimore from getting it. Because I never really saw who we were trying to protect the primordial so strain it, from. It may have been essentially replaying the opening of season two. Yeah. Okay. We, Our goal was to get to the bottom of the ship which had a fire in a few places and stuff, and it was protect the primordial strain. But the guys on the uh, bridge who were directing us, they knew protect the vial with the blue stuff in it. So the fans were telling them, you mean the primordial strain. That's funny. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah, that stuff. Well, a game like that, they may have had to start developing before they'd really seen the show and whatnot yeah. or read the book. That's funny. Um yeah, it was entertaining. But the show had a good presence. It did. It did. And the game was fun. Cool. You know, I get a little dizzy doing stuff like that because I'm not used to it. I haven't played many games like that. So at one point, they're like, so when if you lose, when you lose, you'll know because you go up in flames. You mentioned that the other day. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, so we took the photos of the banner outside. Yes. But while we were in the loot crate uh, line... We'd seen people with this, uh, the Google cardboard VR stuff, uh, from Legendary. And we're like, where did you get that? And it turns out where they got it was the Nerdist. Uh, they had Carnival, um, over at Petco, uh, Park, which ironically is where the Nerd HQ was the previous year. Mm-hmm. So we're like, well, those seem cool. And at one point at work, uh, a couple of months back, Somebody said, oh, yeah, have you checked out the, the Google Cardboard? Oh, what is that? Conversation happens around the office. One of the guys, uh, one of our IT guys brings it in, or actually our build engineer, and other people are like, ooh, that's cool. Everybody got one. Now I was able to get one for free. <laughs> and uh, when we got to the Nerdist uh, Carnival, um, that's Carnival with a con because it's Comic-Con, and they're oh so clever with their wordplay. Um we go, we go up the escalator. I mean, the the people, the the guards greeting us were really nice. Yeah, come on in. Come you know? to the Nerdist. You don't need a badge. It's free. We would love for you to come inside. Yeah, it's it's the polar opposite of all the horror stories you hear. Are the ones we were telling the other day of you can't stand here. Yeah. No, come on in. You know, hang out, have fun. Yeah. And they were giving away bags. They were giving away the Google Cardboard. They had games to play. They had a laser tag set up. They were doing an interview on a stage type thing. They had bathrooms with dozens of empty stalls just waiting for people to use them with no line. How many times I've been waiting in line to to Mm -hmm. take care of some business and to have a restrooms at this facility. It's a ballpark. They've got big restrooms, but they were empty. They were boom. You you need to go. You can go. Yeah. It. I mean. I am not saying there was no crowd at this event. No, there was a fair number of people, and but not but it was overcrowded? A, yeah, but it was a venue that could handle the crowd it had. It was fantastic. Yeah, if I had to pick a venue to do a, a Comic-Con-related activity at, and the ballpark was an option, mm-hmm. I would totally use it. Now, a comment, and I know I'm skipping ahead, but a comment that was made at dinner was, town and country is consistently... A problem, traffic-wise. Town and Country is a hotel in the Mission Valley, Fashion Valley area, where they do the um, 
the badge pickup for people who don't have preview night. Correct. So last year we drove the Chans, two of the Chans down there because they had to pick up their badges. Yeah. So that Tuesday, Wednesday? Uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. You get. We drove down there and it was a zoo. It was on, on Hotel Circle. It's uh, outside of downtown, just on the edge of it, kind of a thing. It was a mess. Now, this year, apparently, it was so bad that uh, a local friend who has her phone pop up the SIG alerts for don't go near there. Traffic is impossible. A SIG alert came up Wednesday for uh, a all SIG of alert them. is just a, a major traffic hazard alert. Yeah. Kind of a this thing is seriously messed up. And all of Fashion Valley and into San Diego was coming up as a SIG alert uh, Wednesday because of what was going on. But tonight at dinner, somebody said, well, if Petco Park can handle things like Nerd HQ last year, Nerdist this year so well, what if Qualcomm Stadium were given a chance to be where people were picking up badges instead of town and country? Uh, Qualcomm is where the Chargers play. It's the football field. It uh, used to be Jack Murphy Stadium. Now it's, I think, Jack Murphy Field at Qualcomm Stadium and maybe a few other uh, brandings in there, too. I've lost track. Yeah. But in addition to being an actual football stadium, it's an actual football stadium with huge amounts of parking all around it. Yeah. They could conceivably set it up to where you could enter from whichever entrance is convenient, get routed through a line that gets you your stuff in an in and out kind of a drive up, print the badge, hand you the badge, you never get out of the car, you move on. Yeah. And handle all of the traffic stuff inside that parking lot. It's an amazing concept if it could be done. Versus town and country, it's a pay $7 to hop out of a car, go in, stand in a line, get your stuff, come out, and it takes a eh, half hour, 45 minutes. It takes less time to go get your badge and stuff than it takes to get into the area, just to the hotel, yeah, and then find parking in addition. And then, you know, it's like multiple times more just to get to where you can be on foot. Yeah. So it's crazy. But again, the the ballpark really handled the, the crowd for Carnival. And if you were not fully aware of the branding and who does what, Nerd HQ last year, the Nerdist there this year, the stuff looked very, very similar. Yeah, the t-shirts were being sold at the same position this year as last year, that kind of stuff. You might have just thought they had rebranded to Carnival this year versus Nerd HQ last year, but it was the same thing. And yeah. it's it, it's not exactly. It's it's a both are great venues. Uh, the the Nerdist has done a lot of great stuff with their YouTube channel, their podcast, their after shows. Uh, Chris Hardwick, uh, the guy behind it, has built up a pretty good geek little empire there, uh, doing a lot of fun stuff. And then Zach Levi over at the Nerd Machine and Nerd HQ uh, has built up his own stuff, does some great interviews there, runs a really cool facility. And what he's doing with the, uh, the um, what's the, the charity? Operation Smile. Operation Smile. Thank you. I was blanking on the name. I knew Smile was in there. Where they, again, uh, help out uh, kids in need and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Awesome charity. So, I mean, different organizations different uh methodologies for how they go about what they do and why they do it but the end result is both are well worth checking out mm-hmm. and if the two of them were to to kind of gang up in force uh 
and totally took over the ballpark versus just a fraction of it or whatever, a lot of fun stuff could happen. Yeah. Um, they could basically run a uh, badgeless Comic-Con in parallel. Yeah. And if those guys were to say, you know, this Artist Alley thing's not working out at San Diego because they're shrinking it, they need funding, you know, they didn't have a sponsor, whatever, they could almost take that whole side over. Um, anyways, fun thing. Uh, everybody who I dealt with at the uh, the, the Nerdist stuff, very friendly, very uh, generous uh, with yes. the giveaways. Um, just very happy to be there. And it was a yeah. fun event. And really nice breeze going through the area oh it was so very cool and relaxing a lot of fun did that after that we decided to go back to the convention hall it was we paused at the car long enough to get off our feet for a bit and have a drink that's true today was a day we needed caffeine yes yes we did and if you've got a car always take a cooler have a couple of drinks in there because the the drinks at these places are exorbitant yeah yeah then we headed back into the convention floor and did some more walking around there. I'm trying to remember what all we did. Uh, the folks at uh, Nerdist, we, when I commented that the Google Cardboard looked really awesome and I had some friends who work at booths and basically are confined mm -hmm. and trapped like poor little prisoners inside the convention center who never get to leave their cells. Um, could I be trick-or-treating on their behalf with this nice bag they just gave me? They said, take eight, please. I mean, they were like, hey, how many do you need? Just just take them. Give them to them with our blessings and tell them Comic-Con is an awesome event and we're so happy they worked a booth over there. So our artist friends, uh, two of them got yep. that. Uh, gave it to several friends who are working booths yep. and just told them, you know, how much I appreciate they're working the booths. Cause if, you know, exhibitors weren't there working booths, we wouldn't be having a great convention experience. Let's be honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And when you see something that, I mean, the, the, the Google cardboard stuff, uh, you can buy this and it's, you know, 20 bucks or something, I think. Uh, you can get a little more, a little less depending, um, I'm not, frankly, I haven't opened one of these up, so I don't know how great a quality they are and stuff, but even if they're just moderate, it's better than nothing, and it's something that a lot of people are, at Comic-Con, guess what, they're geeks. Yeah. They have smartphones. Uh, yeah. This is something everybody would, would have some fun with. Yeah, exactly. So when we had one place that was giving them out and just, hey, we've got oodles, and we had other people, it's like, ooh, they'd like that. Yeah, exactly. It was really cool of the people at the Nerd to say, yeah, sure, you got people who want it, by all means. Distribute mm -hmm. it for us. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and when I had asked for four and they said, do you want four? Take eight. I said, I'm feeling greedy. And they said, no, we're trying to be generous and you're letting us. Thank you. It was just the most mind blowing, wonderful synergy and experience. Well, and it's, it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, legendary, I thought was really cool to, to be bringing these to, mm -hmm. to con. And to do it in such droves, I mean, it certainly increases my goodwill towards them. Yes. Just because uh, for a marketing budget for a movie or for whatever, this is a drop in the bucket. But they didn't just do a drop in the bucket. They they went all in. I will definitely be downloading the app immediately, checking mm -hmm. it out, seeing what Legendary specifically has available to check out in this. For me, it's not going to be immediate, but it is going to be pretty thorough. I'm really curious about this stuff. It's just I got to, you know, drive home, find time, whatever. Well, yeah, yeah. 
Immediate is a relative term. Immediate in Comic-Con terms. Got yes. It. Yes. That, that I totally buy into. Uh, it's, it looks really cool. And again, um, it's a great way for them to, uh, pitch their stuff. And it's smart because the VR app at legendary.com slash VR is something they can keep updating. Yes. This is something that if they keep putting some new stuff in there as one person's, Oh, this is cool. Shows his friend. Oh, did you check this part out? Oh, you know, it could, yeah. it could have a really lasting impact in terms of marketing dollars. Definitely. And with the quantity I imagine they bought them in, it was probably yeah, probably inexpensive per unit for them to do it, which makes sense. But one of the cool, probably the coolest free giveaway I've seen. Yeah. And there was some competition this year. There was. Um, there were some good posters. Again, some of the books are really cool. Um, but that was that was cool. And being able to just go back to some friends mm-hmm. who were working some booths and say, hey, we saw this. We thought of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just share the love. Yeah, it was a great way to end my time on the floor, actually. Because we did that. We wandered around a little bit more, going to a couple of booths. I don't know that we did anything too major at that point. No. Because for me, today was very much a wrap things up. I didn't go in with any game planning. Oh, I've got to do this. A couple of things. Eh, I'll go back, see what I th- see what I feel when I go to a certain booth or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's always a little frustrating at con when you go to some booths early in the convention. They're like, oh, yeah, well, we can't tell you this until Saturday afternoon or until Friday evening's uh, panel or whatever. Because there are a lot of those places like, oh, I'll circle back. And it's like, oh, where, where did I need to go back to? You know, yeah. what was good? And it's like some of this stuff, again, it'll come out in the wash. It's on the web. I'll find it there. They missed an opportunity to uh, really engage me as a particular consumer. Uh, and when I say, hey, I would like to buy stuff, who's doing this? Are you doing this? When are you doing this? Oh, well, we can't tell you now. I get it. Mm-hmm. Frustrating. Yeah. Um. So after all of that, we uh, headed over to our friend. They had a uh, hotel room there at the Hilton Bayfront. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were uh, starting to sort through their posters, their giveaways and all of that so we spent the time that they spent very wisely packing staring out their window at the beautiful view of the bay and the droves of people walking out of the convention center it was awesome because we got us out of the convention 4 30 ish 4 45 a little before the hall closed within yeah. the last half hour of the hall uh and got us kind of off to the side as everybody's plowing through the gas mm-hmm. lamp we had a nice, relaxed time, chance to hang out with our friends. They're, of course, shifting through all their stuff. And it's like, ooh, that's cool. I didn't know they had that this year. Yeah. And, of course, as they're going through, it's like, yep, we got the posters we need. Hey, you want this? And we had also brought some stuff that we knew they would be interested in. Yeah. You know, again, uh, the Google Cardboard among them. Uh, and, again, the Chans, we've been conventioning with them for a couple of years now. We've known them for quite some time. About 10 years. Um, but the last... A couple, we've been very seriously yes. coordinated with yes. them, doing a lot of meals together and stuff. And it's cool because one of the questions that always comes up in conversation at the beginning of a convention, what are you excited about? What are you looking for at this mm-hmm. convention? Mm-hmm. And everybody's got different stuff. But usually during the course, it's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so said they were interested in this. And so I see this freebie around that or on that or something similar to that. Let me pick it up for them. Yes. Yes. And then again, we hit the the end of the convention like we did tonight, and it's a, what did you see? What did you get? Whatever. And of course, we've been having these conversations all weekend. Mm-hmm. 
So there are a lot of things. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks for telling me. I did check that out. We did this. Yeah. That's how we did the Conan bingo. Uh, mm-hmm. We hung out with them at the movie last night. It makes for a very fun convention experience. Mm-hmm. I think there's sometimes where just splitting off on your own just makes sense. Other times doing a convention is, is part of a group and balancing those two parts. Uh, it's awesome. There are times when I feel like having dinner with our group each night and talking about what everyone did almost makes me feel like I've experienced more of the convention. Absolutely. And it's a matter of finding compatible con goers. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean people with the same interest necessarily. Erica, for instance, is a lot more into the movie signings mm-hmm. and some of that stuff than I am. But it's cool because listening to her talk about, oh, yeah, I met so-and-so. This is what happened. This is, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, it gives me an insight into a part of the convention that I'm curious about but not want to live through. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not going to go sit in a line to go get so-and-so's autograph on a, a poster or whatever, but she's showing off some of the stuff. It's like, damn, you got pretty much the complete cast of this, that, and the other. That's cool. Yeah. And, and she had a great time. She did. And she's got a few other people. I mean, she was telling us about one who'd come doing some cosplay, how that went down and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a fun story. Yeah. So finding people like that that, that are as much – invested in you having a good time as you are in them having a good time Mm -hmm. and again just having somebody to share share some meals with of how did your day go what's going on what's cool oh yeah i should go check that out tomorrow Mm -hmm. well and people who are looking for the best in every day Mm -hmm. and who are coming out with basically a positive vibe even if they missed out on getting what they want if they were you know intended to be the second to last person in line but the person doing the autographs had to get up and leave yeah erica's still excited to have been there and for all the stuff she did get to see and all the fun she did get to have and that makes it so much fun to hang out with her yeah exactly and also not being blind to some of those things yeah it was frustrating but this was the positive. Exactly. You know, because no convention is going to be a perfect experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a couple of things this year that were a little frustrating here and there. The uh, constant move along, can't stand here kind of a thing is always a, a thorn in my side at, at Comic-Con. But it's it's part of the experience, unfortunately. Well, and I get I always can't be blocked. I just wish I knew where... I could sit where I could stand. It's the not knowing the rules or the the guidelines, the intended places that leaves me frustrated. Yeah, it's, I don't mind being told I can't stand here. I mind being essentially told I can't stand still. I can't rest. I, there is no place on planet Earth you can stand is how it sometimes comes across. Whereas if they had a more designated, hey, this is where you chill out, whatever. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed at the Nerd HQ is they had a fairly sizable area of sofas and stuff in there. Just, to, again, sit, chill out. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, again, I wish there was some solution for that the fire marshal would approve at the convention center. Yeah. But, you know, having people that are again that you can hang with that yeah you're looking for this go check this out hey did you find this oh this is so cool oh i learned about this let me tell you what i learned because i think you're interested in this yeah um 
again, it, to me, it makes a big difference in the convention going experience. Yeah, exactly. Because there's only so much of the convention I personally can experience. Uh, with you here, that kind of, I don't say doubles it, but essentially does. Even when we hang together, you're seeing different things than I'm seeing, you know. And then having our other friends and stuff, it, it really geometrically increases the amount of the convention you experience in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, as always, a very tiring experience this year. I will definitely need the entire drive back to Texas for recovery time and then a little. Yeah, I... Some people think we're crazy for driving from Texas to here, but it's nice because now as long as we can fit it in the car, we can get it home. Mm-hmm. None of this, ooh, it's got to fit in a suitcase uh, problem. And it gives us, after a couple of days of just so many people, mm. I really need the decompression time of just, yep, there's you, that's it in the car, and we're good. I love being able to stare out across the flat desert and see... For 20 miles, and no, there's not a single line for a booth or panel in all that distance. I was amazed, particularly last night as we were walking back from dinner. We were six, seven blocks into the gas lamp away from the convention center. And it was crowded streets. I guess it was actually when we were in line for the um the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was just a, a constant flow of people a high level of activity on these blocks mm-hmm. and it was just buzzing. Yeah. And it's funny because we were closer into the convention center after dinner tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause after all the, the hanging with the friends at their place, we went to um, a Greek place off mm-hmm. sixth. Yeah. Then it's spelled M E Z E. I have no idea how to pronounce it. Yeah. I'm not sure either, but it was, um, just a couple of blocks, four blocks maybe from the convention center. Mm-hmm. Uh, good food, expensive, but I like the food. The service was f- fantastic. It was. Very attentive waiter and stuff. I mean, my soda never seemed to get below half. Um, I'm a thirsty guy after a convention. Uh, and walking back to the, the parking garage, it felt like a ghost town comparison. And that was just uh, 7.30 or something, so a couple hours after the convention ended. Yeah. It was amazing. And I'm sure when we go downtown tomorrow for breakfast, uh, late lunch with our friends, because, uh, again, they're flying out late, we're driving out, It's that's a great time to, to have a meal. Mm. Because uh, a lot of the places for dinners and stuff are doing the thump, thump, thump nightclub kind of a music thing, so it's hard to have some good conversations. Even at the Tin Fish at lunch, Yeah, I was having a hard time hearing people. But tomorrow, things will have chilled out. It's back to a regular week for, for the San Diegans. So we're not part of the, the mass geek influx. We're just tourists coming in for a good meal. And when we walk out of a restaurant tomorrow at noontime, a zombie will not walk up to me and try to bite my neck and be so close to me, I think his makeup is going to rub off on me. That happened outside the Tin Fish right after lunch. And there's this whole cosplay is not consent thing, which I totally agree. Yes. So when earlier in the week when a cosplayer was grabbing your hair and stuff, it's like, dude, come on. Uh, but this was one where it was a street team kind of a guy. And he was all up in your personal space. It was completely inappropriate, rude. He scared me because he came up behind me and freaked me out so bad. He nearly accidentally got an elbow to the gut. And I have to admit, 
I'm not sure I would have felt bad about it because he scared me so bad. I would not have. And, I mean, it just... No, he I'm sorry. He just shy of attacks you, to be honest. I mean, it was it was very annoying. And I find the zombies right around where I'm eating and stuff with all the makeup and crap, it's... Frankly, I find it disgusting. When but, their makeup is about to be left on my person... Yes. They're too close. I, I think there are a few things where the street teams need to be wrangled in a little bit more. Yeah. The one I want to give a, a shout out to in a very positive way, it was over at that that main intersection of the gas lamp near the various Bible thumpers and stuff. It was the Jewish Community Center. Yes. They yes. had a little uh, table mm-hmm. off on the side. They were, you could walk by and not even notice them if you were of a mind to, very mm-hmm. sedate, very polite, it seemed like. Yes. And they just had information about their faith. They've mm-hmm. had some of the, the yarmulkes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if we were to engage them, we would have actually gotten some good information on, on the whole Jewish culture. Yeah, yeah. But the fact that they were there and offering a sort of themselves as a service if you wanted information. yeah. But we're not the least bit aggressive in your face or mm-hmm. anything of the sort. Yeah. I, my respect for, for them, uh, them, those particular people, I, yeah. the Jewish community, whatever. The people at the table were waiting to be approached. And if you approached them, they, by all appearances, were incredibly polite and respectful and appreciated that you respected them enough to approach, et cetera. No. And, I I respected that a thousand times in part because I felt the people who had given me the get out of hell free card were mocking my religion. We're Christians. Yes. I personally am not a, a very religious person. I have my beliefs and stuff like that, but that's my business. Not mm-hmm. I'm not into organized religion, whatever, uh, but I know various people are. I think that's great. But I found uh, the people I'm referring to as the Bible thumpers as offensive mm-hmm. because not only were they so over the top, so loud, they had megaphones, bullhorns, they were just blasting it. But they were going with the assumption that because one of my hobbies is reading comic books, that I am a bad person mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And it's like, wow, that's, that's really judgmental. When a man is standing next to a four-foot-tall cardboard Bible-looking thing. Yes, and declaring proudly from a megaphone that uh, he's not been with a woman in 20 years. Some of the stuff that guy was saying, he was practically accusing somebody of being, you know, the cause of of Sodom and Gomorrah and, you know, the, the whole nine yards. And I'm like, wow. And, um, like, and the, the guy you're talking about, though, you had, you'd mentioned this to me, and I, I definitely saw it for force. There were two fully uniformed police officers, mm-hmm. and I don't mean just, uh, you know, traffic control guys. No, no, no. These looked like serious, mm-hmm. ready to arrest him if and when he steps out of line. Mm-hmm. It's like, if he's going to be there, we're going to be right there next to him. Thank you, San Diego Police Department, for making me feel safe at all times during the San Diego Comic-Con 2015. And I mean that sincerely. Oh, same here, because there were one or two places. As a matter of fact, it was shortly before that we were crossing mm, out mm-hmm. of the parking garage over to uh, the Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. And the uh, the traffic uh, control guy there, that, mm-hmm. that officer's like, hey, stop. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, you're having a stop halfway in the street where the traffic flows. Mm-hmm. I'm a little confused, but then I realized, oh, wait, that Mad Max truck's about to pull out, and that would have plowed right into us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I'm trying to pay attention. And that Mad Max car, for the record, was in a place that cars were not supposed to be driving and that the cops had shut down. But it was, I want to refer to it as a prop vehicle. Yeah, it was marketing stuff. Yeah. So it was something the cop knew was going on and knew none of the pedestrians should know was going on. But all of these cops were doing an excellent job guiding the pedestrians, guiding the cars, if people paid attention to them. I have had this habit for a couple of years that as I'm going through these intersections with these guys directing Mm -hmm. foot traffic, vehicular traffic of just thanking them yes and i do the same because i know i'm alive today because of them their job is to keep me safe Mm -hmm. and they have done an outstanding job with comic-con over the years each Mm -hmm. year getting better and better as the job gets harder and harder Mm -hmm. and the way they have been dealing with the traffic flow across harbor drive and the gas lamp as it's stretching blocks and blocks and blocks is there more traffic that needs control? Yes, there are a couple of places there. I'd love for them to have more guys in different places. But the bottom line, where the, the throngs of pedestrians are, mm-hmm. they're there. And I don't know of any bad things that happened this year. That having been said, I heard an awful lot of sirens today. I did too. Yeah. But if you ever go to – to me, it's not if you ever go to a convention. Most conventions, like the Austin Comic Con, Wizard World shows and stuff, C2E2 – there's a little traffic control, but nothing, nothing like 130,000 plus people taking over the the the, the traffic of, you know, uh, you know. I wish I had, 15 square foot area. Well, I mean, I, 15 block area. Yeah, I wish I had done a screenshot of ways which had the little construction symbols showing the various blocks that had been closed off to car traffic and turned into basically pedestrian roadways and stuff. If you've ever heard about how during South by Southwest down in Austin, Mm -hmm. various roads get shut down to automobile traffic at various times of day, that's what San Diego has started doing for Comic-Con. Well, they have to. I mean, this yeah. show, particularly this year with the campus approach, Yeah, the library at 11th and J? Yeah. That's the far edge of it, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. That's part of Comic-Con. Yeah. And then from there, all the way over to uh, the, the Children's Museum mm-hmm. at... Mm, I'm going to say roughly Island in Front, give or take. Sounds about right. 10, 15 blocks across and again it's extending at least five six eight blocks into the gas lamp area from the convention center Mm -hmm. all of this has varying levels of of pedestrian traffic from yeah there are a couple of more people to oh my god this is a walking mob Mm -hmm. um so again the fact they do such a great job is really uh to to their credit Mm -hmm. yeah in past years a couple of bad things have happened generally because people are doing stupid things and ignoring the, the traffic control guys. Yeah. Well, it's funny how many pedestrians are so used to simply walking and trying to guess when to walk. They don't look for the cross guards helping them. It's easy to overlook. You actually pointed one out to me that I totally missed. Yeah. And I mean, I get it. 
we're not used to it. And that's why I've started looking for him. And I called out to you, you know, because the first thing I noticed was a two-way street. They'd blocked one direction of traffic off and turned yeah. into a one-way street. And then I called out, and they've got a cop directing us. Well, it's one of those things that I've known for years that when I get to Comic-Con, I go into a bit of a... Overload brain starts to turn off gradually phase for me. Yeah, totally. I mean, you've had times you've either been calling me or been 15 feet behind me yelling at me and I'm not hearing you. It just I, I zone out a little bit because of all the sensory overload. Yeah. And as much as I complain about people in front of me stopping, texting, I had one person literally pivot on a dime, turn right around and plow into me. Yes. I watched that happen to and you today. Like, dude. Yeah I, yeah. I hate that. But as much as I complain about it, I'm not going to say I haven't done any of it. Yeah. I had a couple of times uh, today in the uh, last few days where it's like, ooh, video playing. That's really thump. Damn it. Yeah. Or, well, oops, sorry. Excuse me. At one point today, we had a totally nonsensical conversation that I'm sure somebody overheard and just wanted to die of laughter with. Of You said, and now I want to go to Bandai, and I pointed, and admittedly, it was the direction of the Bandai booth, but I was pointing to where I wanted to stop and stand to type a text. I am sure people could follow us over the course of the convention and be very entertained, uh, much to uh, to my embarrassment, if if nothing else. Uh, it was a good convention. It was a busy convention. It was an unusual convention for me in so much as it was physically bigger mm-hmm. in terms of the area it spread out across. Mm-hmm. I think we went to more of the far corners of it this yes. year um, because, well, I mean, I never made it over to like to the Hyatt or something, but I was at the yacht party behind the, the, the Marriott. We went back to the Joe's Crab Shack, uh, ventured a little in the direction, but not very far towards the the symphony mm-hmm. over at the Petco Park used the pedestrian bridge a number of times this time. Mm-hmm. Library uh, quite a bit uh, around the ballpark uh, multiple times. I never made it to either. Well, the only panels I went to were at the library, which is very rare for me. Usually I try to go up to uh, ballroom 20. I try to go to rooms 6, either A or the alphabet. And I just didn't try for any of them this year. I was more interested in the library and uh, the floor. I don't know that I went to any other panels than over in the library, to be honest. Because anything in Hall H, I usually knocked out. Although I was hearing they were easy access to almost all of them this year, or many of them. Yeah, interesting. But I thought about going to a documentary on the Back to the Future stuff, but we wound up going to dinner early. And I was... The line was getting longer and longer. I had a feeling of how big the room was. I was certain I'd get in, but it's like, you know, I'm not this interested in that big of a crowd for that material. Yeah. Uh, I like Back to the Future, but this is a documentary about it. Um, but I don't know that I went to any of the other panels, to be honest. Yeah. There were many that were on my list, but for me, walking the floor was more interesting, talking with people. And again, we spent enough time outside be it at the fx arena over at the uh we spent some time walking by the uh assassin's creed thing mm-hmm. that was fun to watch mm-hmm. uh nerdist nerd hq mm-hmm. um there was so much stuff happening around the convention as well as in the convention that i think we got kind of a fuller yeah overall experience even though i never went into the marriott never went over to the hyatt 
or some of that edge of things. We did yeah. uh, a little bit over again at the uh, the Hilton. Well, we did a lot of things I've never done before. Mm-hmm. We did things that I think uh, a decade ago I promised myself I'd never do again. Uh, we went to the Frighteners movie. Oh, right. Late night movie. Yeah, yeah. We had one. Yeah. Well, and again, that was fun to do, but it was later than I had expected. It was a long night. Now, when we went to Frighteners, it was a midnight screening. Oh, midnight screening I would not have gone to. I don't and, care what movie they're showing. Yeah, but John Aston sat two rows in front of us when we went to Frighteners. And that was fun, but that was also many, many years ago. I. Yeah, but that was when we started saying, okay, it has to be an amazing movie for us to go to a Comic-Con screening again. Well, in a lot of years, we just don't do the late-night stuff. We typically yeah. don't do things like the Eisners or the late-night parties or whatever. There have been a time or two we've tried to do a party or two. But this time, both the Conan bingo, mm-hmm. uh, the the dinner ran late the one night, although that wasn't really planned, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, the movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. So longer days this time. I've never really – well, last year we did the Veronica Mars. Was that just last year? Was that two years ago? But anyways, when we did the Veronica Mars, that was the first time we had tried one of the parties. I had tried to try one of the parties before. Admittedly, okay. But bad success and no luck. Although I got to meet Kelly Who. That was see, fun. See? So, but, you know, this was, again, it was a year that I wanted to try new things. Mm-hmm. And then the movie was, you know, admittedly, it was a movie I really wanted to see. And when they were saying... This is going to be one of the few, if any, chances to see it in a theater. I'm thinking this may have been the theatrical release. We may yeah. have been, depending if you count physical theaters or building as theater sort yeah. of thing, the place it was shown or one of the four individual theaters in the place it was shown. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. And again, uh, Brian Singer coming by, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a fun convention. Um, well, and there's a lot to be said for... The crowd they get at a screening like that, I mean, in some ways this was a bad example because you, you're pretty sure everybody in the theater has seen all but 17 minutes of the footage. Thereabouts. I mean, there are you a know. couple of people that were very clear hardcore X-Men fans, such as the guy dressed up as Wolverine, the guy dressed up as, as Cyclops, the girl sitting... Uh, three over to my left who was dressed up as Rogue and at first because she was walking in the theater when we were, and I'm like there is no way Anna Paquin came in full outfit makeup etc but you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, so there were no gasps of surprise per se in the audience one near the end yes one major from the whole audience. Myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there was that sense of this is an entire audience in the moment together. Yeah. Which so often when you go to a theater these days to see a movie, you've got that one annoying person who's off to your right on the tablet because they only came to the theater because their kids wanted to see the movie. Well, this is one or, where they were they were showing the the movie to to the choir, so to speak. Yes, yes. Everybody who was there is a hardcore geek because it's not just hey, you had to come to Comic Con, you had to come to Comic Con, you had to get the wristbands, had to do this, had to do that. There are a couple of hoops to jump through to get to mm-hmm, this. Mm-hmm. Um, but that means the people who come 
are really interested. They want to be there. Yeah. And there's just this energy in an audience like that. And that's part of why I wanted to go. Yeah. No, same here. Because you've got this movie showing. You could have been doing Conan Bingo. Mm. You could have been at the Conan taping. You could Mm -hmm. have. That's just Conan. Uh, Plus the... uh, what other movie? That was the night of the WB. The um, WB screenings. Yeah. There were so many other things Comic Con related, plus related parties, whatever's going on at the Nerdist, at the Nerd HQ. I mean, yeah. So many things competing for for time at that point. Mm-hmm. That the people who get to the various things, by and large, that's where they want to be. Yeah. Or at least the second or third runner, but they're still very interested. <laughs> yeah. So. Fun convention, well uh, well run. Yes. I didn't really notice anything that was a major, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. Other than a couple of times of, hey, move along, you can't stand here. But that's that's forced on them by the fire marshal. Yeah. And I'd like to think there's a solution to that problem, but it just hadn't come yet. Panels seem to run on time. Mm-hmm. Nothing horrendous as far as I know. Now, granted, I haven't been on my computer since the convention started. That tells you how busy we've been. Neither of us have turned on our computers since the the convention began. I haven't even read any of the coverage on comic book resources or any of the other places. Yeah. So as far as I know, major fights broke out. People were killed. uh, Viruses were released. The world's an apocalypse. But I was unaware of all of that. Yeah. So as far as I know, it went perfectly. San Diego is the only portion of the world that still exists as of roughly 9.45 p.m. Sunday wow, we've evening. Been rambling for yet another hour. Um, hopefully people have enjoyed this. I think it's fun to do it. Mm-hmm. If you guys aren't enjoying this, by all means, speak up and we'll stop doing these because adding another hour, hour and a half to every evening during the convention, it does take a toll because I'm also going to have to edit all of this. But I think it's a fun way to give you guys a sense of what going to a major convention like this is like, what we think, uh, and, and what we got out of it. Um, and by all means, if you think there's a better way we could be spending our time, let me know. I would love to spend my time at Comic-Con wisely. I always have a hard time leading up to Comic-Con because I'm getting the podcast ready to get released while we're gone or getting the reading done, you know, whatever. I've got a lot going on, both getting personal life and work life uh, ready for me to take some time off. I don't always have the time to do all the prep work to really know, ooh, I need to be here at these times. These are all the opportunities. Well, I just always feel like there was a better way to go about it. I just don't know what it was because there's so many things going on. I need a clone. That's what I need. I could have literally two dozen clones and still not cover the convention to my satisfaction. Entirely true. But I think part of it is just knowing what you want. And for me, that's a little hard to figure out sometimes. And knowing how best to go get it. Yeah. And for me, it's also come out by the fact I'm a major introvert. I don't like going up and saying hi to people. Well, the other thing is everything I experience at con, I enjoy. I always have a great time, but... I always do feel, ooh, there was something else I could have done, had more fun. But it's been a while since I think, wow, that that convention really sucked. I don't know that I've ever felt that about San Diego. I think it's less I could have had more fun, could have had additional fun. Or at the very least, I could have had as much fun with less energy. (laughs) Yeah, expenditure. expenditure of energy. 
Yes, yes. Because, man, my feet are killing me. Uh, we've still got to pack up the hotel room in the morning, load up the car, and then drive for two days. Yeah. So the, the, the experience isn't totally done yet, but it's been fun. It's been amazing. Uh, I'll be interested to see what all people have posted on the forum about new announcements and such mm-hmm. like that. Uh, because, again, not having gone to any of those sorts of panels this year, I really don't know what the major announcements were. Yeah. And I know a lot of places I'm interested in have had things to announce. Yes. But because of when I talked to them, they couldn't tell me yada yada. Uh, I don't know what they are. So a lot of fun uh, convention stuff yet to be had for us. There you go. So with that, I think we're going to wrap this up. Uh, again, hopefully everybody enjoyed it. If you've got thoughts about how we could do these convention things better, more enjoyable, or if you have questions about the convention experience, by all means, post on our forum at uh, comicbookpage.com. Let us know what you think. The show notes and forum for this podcast can be found at www.comicbookpage.com under the podcast and forum sections of the website. Please email us at theguys at comicbookpage.com and let us know what you think of what was discussed in this episode. Thanks for listening.